Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey everyone, Tom Slemmer here. Welcome back. This is the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm going to hand this microphone over to Steve Krupa, our beloved host. Steve sat down in a separate place from our guest, who was also probably sitting down with Doug Hirsch. Doug is the co-founder and co-CEO of a cool, cool company called GoodRx. GoodRx is uh, creating a way for uh, patients, people, to find lower drug prices. And uh, it's a company that was created by Doug and his co-founder, Trevor Bezdek. After Doug uh, tried to fill a an expensive prescription and uh, basically decided to shop around and in doing so realized there was no easy way to do that. So they sought out to create that easy way. It's a great conversation. Steve uh, handles it well. And in the very beginning, he admits that uh, even Steve, who is as capitalist or more capitalist than the next guy, uh, sees the need for reform of uh, how drugs are priced. So let's get into this conversation with Steve Krupa and Doug Hirsch of GoodRx. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Doug Hirsch, CEO and founder of GoodRx. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you on. I mean, uh, I, I had like this obsession with the uh, pharmaceutical prices. So is this interview going to help me out in that regard? I also share your obsession with pharmaceutical <laughs> prices. So I, I look forward to talking about it. <laughs> so so before we before we go all the way to your business, I, I've got to ask you this one question. Like I've, I've made this argument and I am like, if you met me, you'd be like, this guy's a capitalist, right? I've made this argument that the pharmacy benefit management business should be a public good. We, we need, we're paying three times what the rest of the world is paying for drugs. And why can't we negotiate a better deal? Yeah, it's, this is a challenging, challenging space. And, you know, I've been watching all of what's happening in Washington uh, very closely. In fact, I've even made a few trips to Washington to talk to various uh, senators and Congress people about the issue. And, you know, the challenge I find is is rooted in the very nature of our system, right? I mean, we are the only country on earth that has this, you know, employer-sponsored healthcare uh, concept. Uh, you know, one of the very few countries that isn't really based in single payer. And while I'm not saying we should make a wholehearted switch, I think that our system, as designed, everyone's doing exactly what the system designed it to do, right? I mean, we often like to, to talk about the negatives of, of PBMs, and, you know, I, I, again, I'm just a consumer advocate. I don't, it's not that I have a particular agenda, but let's always remember that oftentimes a PBM is working on behalf of a client, right? And so when a, when a PBM says no to a patient or is pushing very hard for a certain amount of uh, savings, you know, they're, they're often doing that on, on behalf, especially these days, uh, on behalf of a, um, you know, of a client who's ultimately looking to uh, control or rein in costs that it still remains kind of mind-boggling to me that we're looking to, again, often employers to be to be making those decisions in the first place. The, the interesting fact of it is, for me, and it, is that I feel like there's an argument that says, well, we need to support these pharmaceutical companies. They've got so much research and development. So, of course, we're paying more money for drugs relative to the rest of the world. And in my heart, and then we'll move on to another subject, I, I feel like if we could negotiate as a nation 
better sort of aggregate pricing from drug companies, um, the, the net impact would be one of two things. The drug companies would make less profit or other countries would pay more. And I don't know if you have a viewpoint on that as to whether that's even a possibility or if we have, if, if we're kind of just stuck in this place where as a country we pay more for drugs. You know, I, I don't mean to be uh, a pessimist because I am always trying to think of ways that consumers can figure out affordable prescriptions. You know, I, I think one of the biggest travesties we have in this country is that we make preventative health care so hard to access and so unaffordable. You know, and, and we sort of push consumers to end up going to the emergency room and treating them as your doctor, um, which just leads to such huge amounts of costs that we could be saving as a country simply by, you know, treating problems before they become problems. In terms of actual, you know, manufacturers, you know, I, I think it's a challenging question. I'm, I'm not actually an expert on brand as much as the generics that 90% of prescriptions in this country actually make up. Um, you know, obviously drugs are too expensive because I know that the millions of people that use GoodRx can't afford them. Um, I think we walk this fine line. I, this won't be news to you, but we walk this fine line of wanting to make sure we encourage innovation and yet at the same time make sure people can afford them. And I don't know. I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about it. But other than sort of a wholesale rewriting of the way we do our business in this country, in the world of healthcare, I, I don't have any great, uh, you know, silver bullets in my head on how we're going to fix it. So like, like any good tech guy, right, you just observe the landscape, say this is the way it works, and this is how I can have an impact, right? Like, and it feels like that's what you are – it feels like you're on this mission to find people that need to buy prescription drugs on a regular basis the best deal that you can find for them. Is that fair? Yeah, it, it's just so complicated. You know, when we first got started – you know, I, I do nothing about this. I had worked at Yahoo for about 10 years. I had worked at Facebook. Uh, I had zero background. I didn't know what a PBM was. I, I didn't know what a copay was even. I just, you know, um, and it took us many years just to decipher the mess that is our healthcare system. You know, even today, now nine years I've been doing this, and yet I still, every time I show up at the pharmacy or a doctor's office, any prediction I had as to what it's going to cost is often wrong because, we just have such a complex system. And of course, you know, the people who suffer the most are the people who spend the most on healthcare. And it's like, it's, it, it's almost like we purposely built the worst possible way to treat people. Um, and, and of course, we all end up paying the bill, whether it be in terms of our own healthcare or, or you know, government spending or whatever. So what, what made you come, come into this space? I mean, I've been in the space a long time and every time I see people come from high tech and I mean, Facebook and Yahoo built some wonderful technology architectures that have created so much capability for entrepreneurs and others to to scale businesses online. Something must have dragged you into the healthcare business. I mean, there are other places you could have taken that that skill. What what brought you here? Most of my career has been spent just trying to decipher ugly problems and messy situations and turn them into something that a consumer can understand. You know, when I worked at Yahoo, we were literally trying to decipher the internet um, and give people ways to communicate or give people ways to, you know, be able to find information. I mean, that 
I am that old. <laughs> I'm talking about Yahoo in the 1990s. Um, you know, at Facebook, it was sort of the same thing. You know, I mean, if if you look at Facebook at its very core, it was very much uh, try. It is very much a utility that's trying to connect people and provide them with you know uh, uh, instantaneous information about their social circle. Um, you know, I bring a lot of the same attributes to to GoodRx in terms of um, you have this incredibly compact, complex problem that we already talked about. And yet consumers want a simple, easy solution. And so, you know, most of what I spend my day doing is trying to figure out what not to tell people, because to be honest, you don't want to know all the details of your insurance plan. You don't want to understand, uh, you know, the ins and outs of copay cards and PBMs and list prices and UNC, and I could go on and on. You just want to know when you show up at the pharmacy counter, how much is it going to cost? And so I spend inordinate amounts of time trying to simplify a ridiculously complex system, which, again, is very similar to what, what I've been doing most of my life. And uh, we talked about this offline before we came on. So around two, 2011 or 2011 or so was the beginning of the company? Yeah, we, we actually conceived the idea back in, I'd say, 2010. Um, and the conception of it was, uh, you know, like many of the best healthcare companies or companies in general, I was given a prescription by a doctor, and I went to my local chain pharmacy here in Santa Monica, and they said it would be $450. And I, you know, I'd never talked about that topic with the doctor. He just, it was one of these kind of optional prescriptions where I didn't really have to take it. He's like, yeah, try this, see if it works. And so I was shocked and I didn't want to spend $450 and, um, because I guess I'm naturally cheap. I took the prescription back. You know, this was, we still have paper prescriptions, but I literally had a physical prescription and I walked down the street to the other chain pharmacy and I said, how much is this? And they said, I think 325 or something like that. And I thought, well, that's strange. It's the exact same product, but it's, you know, a hundred plus dollars cheaper. I took it to a third pharmacy where I think they said about $400. But then when I walked out, the pharmacist came out of the booth and very nicely chased me into the parking lot and said, I, I, I want to work with you. I want to come up with a price you can afford. So let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I thought, am I, am I buying a used car? Or am I yeah, buying, buying a, you know, drugs on a street corner is what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I never, I never thought of it that way. Um, and so I, I, I brought this back to my, my business partners and, or friends really at the time and just said, what, what's going on here? You know, I, I, I had tried a Google search and got nothing. In fact, a funny story, about 14 states at the time had legislation on the book saying that uh, pharmacies have to post the prices of prescriptions on a website. And so we went to those websites. One of them is New York. Um, and as, as I mentioned to you before, I'm from New York. I sent my father into a prescription uh, to a pharmacy in Manhattan, and I said, will you demand the price list from the pharmacy? And so he walks up to the counter at a big chain pharmacy in Manhattan and says, I want your price list. And they look at him like he's from another planet. And eventually the guy comes out with a handwritten list of of prices that he clearly had just written two seconds ago in the back. <laughs> and um, all those prices, by the way, were wrong. And it was just, you know, there was nothing. There was no information to be found. The websites were broken. The prices were wrong. Um, and we set out to see if we could figure it out. And nobody offered you generic substitution with this, with this uh, initial script, huh? Um, there, there definitely was, uh, some generic substitution for sure. Um, but generics is actually the root of our business and where the most price variation is, you know, all the headlines you'll read about is, you know, the $20,000 drugs and the, you know, the, um, you know, Savaldi's and all those kind of drugs where, you know, they have a very high price tag, but 90% of the prescriptions filled in this country are generics. 
And actually, that is often where consumers are paying way too much. We think of generics as cheap, but actually, if your insurance coverage isn't up to snuff, uh, or if it's for any bunch of reasons we can get into, um, it's actually generics is where the real pain point is for many consumers. Well, why don't why don't we go there and then uh, and then uh, let's see where it leads us. So, it, it makes absolutely no sense in the world to me why there would be a high range of prices on generics. Is is it a high weight? a high range of prices between companies that make a generic version of an ethical drug, or is it the distributors that are varying the price? So there's a bunch of things that are happening, but the one that I think is, is the biggest issue goes back to the structure of our healthcare system. And that is, um, in a pharmacy for a given drug, as you know, there are multiple manufacturers of a generic drug. Um, However, in order to comply with their contracts with the insurance companies or PBMs, right, pharmacies um, create what's called a usual and customary price. I, you may be familiar with this. From It also exists, of course, in, in the medical side. And so if you take, let's just use a very common drug like Lipitor, which is a, a common statin, um, you know, the, the usual and customary price for that drug uh, at some pharmacies is as high as $200. This is a drug that has a kind of a true cost of call it a buck. I mean, it's, it's quite inexpensive. Now, that's not the pharmacy trying to rip people off. That's the pharmacy basically saying, hey, I have this complicated contract with um, insurance company. In order for me to be able to still make money and give that insurer, call it 80% off, I need to mark up this crazy usual and customary price. But in the past, when I was growing up even, nobody ever hit that price. The usual and customary price was simply sort of a, uh, a procedural price as part of a contract that no American actually would see. But then, uh, you know, over the last, say, five to ten years, what's happened is, is insurance has covered less and less, and deductibles have gone up, you know, HDHPs and uh, limited formularies and uh, prior authorizations and step therapies, which are all just fancy words for I'm going to pay less and you, the end patient, are going to pay more. And all of a sudden what's happening is patients are walking in and being presented with $200 for a common generic that should cost six. And this happens all the time. About 75% of the people that come to GoodRx actually have insurance, but are still paying too much. We recently, um, I got a phone call from a New York Times reporter who said, I don't believe you. Generics are cheap. You're crazy. And so we actually took her plan, her literally her New York Times insurance plan, compared the top 100 generics to her copay, and GoodRx actually had lower prices on it about half the time. And that's assuming she had hit her deductibles and her prior authorizations and all those things. Hi, everyone. Tom here. Excuse this interruption, but I did want to let you know that we're putting out another episode of Healthcare is Hard, a podcast for insiders. It's coming out next week. In this episode, host Keith Figlioli of LRV Health actually does sit down with Penny Wheeler and Rick Magnuson of Alina Health. He traveled to Minnesota for this conversation. And uh, it's one you don't want to miss. So go to iTunes, whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, find it, subscribe to it, and you'll get the latest great conversations in healthcare. Now back to another one. Let's get back to this conversation between Steve Krupa and Doug Hirsch of GoodRx. Did you know this is what was going on when you started the company or did you just start the company and say, I can't get any price range on this, these drugs that seems in any way reasonable, I'm going to start a business and build a tr build transparency in drug pricing. I mean, is, 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 that, is, that what, is that what kind of happened here? We didn't really even start this project as a business. We started it more 
as just a bunch of geeky tech guys wanting to see if we could access information that had previously never been made available. And so we really went into this just trying to come up with ways to to get our hands on everything, copay information, discounts, patient savings programs, uh, membership programs, uh, and to see if we could organize this mess so that someone could know. You know, a lot of people think of GoodRx as a way to save on prescriptions, but we actually do two things. Not only do we help you save, but we also just give you some sense of what the drug is going to cost in the first place. And, I, you know, you can't underestimate that when you show up at the pharmacy counter and you've got a sick kid at home and you don't have that much money in your bank account and you're standing there and the guy is staring at a computer and you don't know whether the number is going to be $4 or $400. And so we really just set out to see if we could give some context to people. Um, and it got crazy complicated and about a thousand people told us we were wasting our time. But ultimately, it all came together. So, how does the how does the business work? You know, I went on on the site and I just did, just threw some drug names in there, and it's pretty easy to use, right? You just put the drug in, and you tell us what the range of prices are out there, and then you it points you, you know, almost similar to the old shopping, they call them shopping bots in the old days. They probably still have them, right? Yeah, they do, because I went and I brought some stereo equipment recently, so I put the name in there, and it would say, well, you could buy it for this here and buy it for this there. And that's basically the information that you pull up. Now, I didn't take it a step further and go to Transact. So what what, what happens on the site when you go to Transact? So many things even happen before you, you get there that I, I just want to point out, right? I mean, first and foremost, you didn't have to register. You didn't have to sign up. You didn't have to pay. There wasn't some crazy, you know, most people can't even log into their own insurance website, right? And we came to this and said, hey, we're not going to ask you for anything for both privacy reasons, but also because healthcare is too complicated. And so you literally come to get our X, you start typing the name of a drug. We instantly take you to the generic version. If you typed in Lipitor, we'll take you to Atorvastatin because that's what's actually going to be filled, as you pointed out. We then sort through all the various manufacturers because, you know, oftentimes different manufacturers are being distributed at different pharmacies within the same chain. We'll take you to the most common dosage form, uh, you know, and quantity combination. And then we look at prices across a whole variety of things. We'll look at pharmacy, you know, they might have a low cash price like Walmart does. They might have a membership program. We actually power some membership programs for certain pharmacies. They might have a membership. Um, they might have um, patient savings programs. They might have copay cards. And, of course, there are these relationships that PBMs have with pharmacies, which is where you see the coupons that are on GoodRx. And if you were to print out one of those coupons or text it to yourself or download our app, you literally just show that coupon to the pharmacist and you get that price. It's as simple as that. It's the same kind of numbers that you'd have on your insurance card. It works the same way. In fact, oftentimes the company processing it is a PBM just like your insurance. Um, and you just pretty much present it and you get that price. That's the total cost. No, no money going anywhere else. You pay the pharmacy $594, the pharmacy gets $594, and that's, you're done. I mean, that's awesome. So if, if I'm purchasing drugs and I've got, uh, you know, so at my company, I've got a pharmacy benefit management plan on the back of my insurance card. Do you, are you, are you I, I don't know if I caught this. Are you working with that information or are you just, you know, that's not, 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 not important? Sort of. We list Medicare um, copays for every Medicare plan in the country on GoodRx. Um, the relationship that your employer has with your PBM is not publicly accessible. Um, and so we can't like do a lookup and say, oh, okay, well, Steve satisfied his deductible and he has a tier one copay for Lipitor, so he'll pay $10. 
Um, we can make some educated guesses. We know that Lipitor is covered on 99% of plans as a tier one, and we know that the average generic is about $10 in this country. Um, but no, we don't have access. You don't enter your insurance on GoodRx today um, simply because, uh, unfortunately, that information is, is you know contracted information between two parties that we can't get access to. However, um, you know, oftentimes people know exactly what they're going to pay. If, if for example, um, you know, you take a chronic drug like Synthroid or Lipitor again, um, you know what you're paying. You know it's a $10 copay. Um, and so when you see the prices on GoodRx, which are as low as actually free, we have a pharmacy that gives away Lipitor for free, then I think you can pretty quickly realize that you can, you can do better. Well, we should firstly send out a list. Maybe you want to discuss it on this podcast of all the places we can get drugs for free. That'd be, that'd be. Um, yeah, there, there are pharmacies that do that. They use them as sort of, uh, think of them as doorbusters, right? As in, you know, like, like Walmart does where they put the cheap stuff in the front, right? Um, to get folks in and do their shopping. And um, we actually just rolled out a program. We're powering the, um, the savings program for uh, Kroger, Kroger being the nation's largest grocer. I forget what they're called in New York, but out here we call them Ralph's. Um, and, uh, you know, we've made, got hundreds of drugs available for either zero, three, or six dollars. Uh, in this case, there's a small membership fee, an annual membership fee, but we have literally over 100 generics that are less than six bucks, which it's hard to argue. I mean, that that is affordable healthcare. It sure is. It sure is. So, um, well, listen, you've been very successful. We should really, I, I should have gotten that out at you know 15 minutes ago, but um, the the company has done very well. Can you give us give me a sense of how many users do you have? How many people are using you on either? And it, I just downloaded the app before I came on with you. It's beautiful. How many how many people are using the product? Yeah, we so we are the number one medical app on the iOS and Android stores. We've been that way for I think about six years. Um, we have uh, we've saved Americans about ten billion dollars nice. since our inception, um, and that rate has been growing sort of exponentially. So we're saving Americans you know billions of dollars a year now. Um, millions of people use GoodRx every month. Um, about one third of U.S. doctors actually distribute GoodRx information to their patients. Because remember that if you go back to my founding story, that doctor who handed me the $400 prescription, you know, what most, what most people would do, they'd call the doctor and yell at them and say, why did you hand me this drug that's 400 bucks? I, you know, I had no idea. And doctors don't want to be bad guys. Doctors want you to take the medications they prescribe. And so, We've really been pleased that, that so many doctors have sort of adopted GoodRx so that they can help the, the patient get the prescription that they you know, want them ultimately to take. It, you know, no doctor can memorize every price for every one of the 6,000 FDA-approved drugs at every pharmacy. I mean, it takes, we literally have billions of prices in our database. And so um, you know, we work really closely with doctors. Um, we work really closely with pharmacies. Um, and again, we, uh, you know, we work closely with PBMs and even manufacturers, anything we can do to get the consumer the, the best price. And so I, I just pulled up uh, Lipitor on my app, and I, you know, I'm in, uh, I'm in Burlington, uh, Mass right now. So in in Woburn, which is the next town over, I can go to Stop and Shop, 1.1 miles, with a coupon and get it, uh, 30 tablets of 40 milligrams for ten dollars and eleven cents. Yep. That seems exactly. That's ten eleven at Stop and Shop. If you were to go to Kroger, as I mentioned, you could get it for six bucks. Yeah. Or you could go to Walmart, uh, which just has a low cash price. You don't show anything. You literally just yeah. show up at Walmart and you'll get it for for nine. And I I'm assuming so, I've got to show up with a script or or something, right? 
That is correct. We don't we don't give away uh, yeah. uh, drugs without prescriptions. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. That is an interesting industry and yeah. one that we're um, we're looking at. But um, yeah, you will need a prescription from a doctor, and then you just show up, and that's how much you pay. It's it's and like how, and how do you I get did, paid? How are you going to get paid now? I just did this. You just provided me a great service. What uh, so? What's yeah, in it for yeah, you? A few things. Um, you know, at first, I, I, it's always important to me to reiterate that you know we didn't we didn't start the company saying, "Ooh, we're going to make as much money as we can." Here, we started the company to provide answers to consumers. Um, you know, along the way, we've realized that there's so many ways that we can help, and you know, we've been approached by a number of pharmacies, uh, for example, Kroger, as I mentioned, where we actually run this program for them. So we actually. Um, you know, we're actually providing the pricing. We're, we're providing all the information to the consumer, and we're sort of the front face of this program. Um, in that case, we make revenue off of that program, so we're basically splitting the subscription revenue with Kroger. In other cases, we actually, I think similar to your company, we provide um, some software solutions to uh, companies that want to uh, provide information about benefits to their employees. Um, and then there are certain cases where we'll make referral fees. It doesn't impact the way we list prices on the site, but in some cases, pharmacies or even manufacturers or someone may want to get in front of one of our customers, as you can see, whether it be through ads or a referral fee for sending someone over to them. Cool. So you essentially have built a network of users, and you're looking at ways to fairly, without without sort of diluting or tainting your mission, um, which to me, it sounds like your mission is just to get people the lowest price you can, and it's obviously responsive to those who have difficulty affording medicines. Um, but you're 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 gonna you're gonna generate revenue by virtue of the fact that you've got a lot of people using what you do, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I you know, prior to us, and I I never want to take more credit than I deserve, so please feel free to cut me down to size. But there really wasn't a place for any answers on pricing and healthcare. You know, I mean, if you go back to 2010, there, you, your insurance company certainly wasn't going to tell you that. I, I've used every one of the interfaces they have, and I, they just mostly don't work. And if they do work, they're not right. Um, you know, doctors, I, I, actually, here's a funny story. I walked into a pharmacy here in Santa Monica back in 2010, and I said, and they, I asked them for the price of a drug, and they gave me a number, and I said, well, where where'd you come up with that number? And they said, we have no idea. The computer says it's the price, and this was the owner of the pharmacy. <laughs> and you know, my point is just that no one, there was no, there was no language around around healthcare or price transparency. And now this is a big topic in Washington, and it's it's something that I would like to see applied not just to to, to prescriptions, but to the medical side as well. Um, but my hope is that you know we're, we're slowly but surely empowering the American consumer to treat their healthcare just like they treat buying a stereo equipment, like you said, or a plane ticket. Um, and to make sure they understand that there is a, there is a liquid marketplace out there and they can actually find affordable solutions, but it does require them to be proactive. Um, has Amazon found out about this? <laughs> we, um, we definitely have spoken to Amazon in the sure. past. Um, uh, Amazon, as you probably know, acquired uh, PillPack at yeah. some point, And, um, we think, we we love Pillback. They're great guys, uh, and we actually have a, a business relationship with Pillback. Um, you know, I, I think. Uh, am I actively talking to Amazon? At no, the I'm moment? not asking no. it that way. No. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's got a lot of Amazony things going on. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you know one of the fun things about being in the healthcare space is that you know we're kind of the last to do things, right? As you mentioned earlier, like. 
you know, comparing prices in healthcare in retrospect seems so obvious. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of doing everything that every other industry did a long time ago. You know, um, it's just because healthcare is so complicated and obviously has, you know, restrictions and, 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 and complex contracts. It's just we've never been able to do it till now. Well, listen, I, I, you're the only person I know that's really doing. And, when, and I say that in, in, a, in a tongue-in-cheek way, but I also feel serious at some level. I mean, try to do this for a procedure or for a doctor visit, and there's no way you're going to get a good answer, right? I mean, it's, it's, we haven't even gotten that far. So you attack the one area of healthcare where there's, there's at least a, enough data online I spend a lot of time thinking about the medical side, you know, and I've actually just yesterday was talking to yet another person about it. I would love to tackle that, that space. And there are certain categories I think where you can, you can have an impact. The challenge is, you know, what's nice about prescriptions is you buy them in a retail environment, right? You hand over your credit card and you pick up something in a store, just like other industries. You, there isn't a huge quality difference. You know, I don't lose sleep if I fill my drug at pharmacy A versus pharmacy B. I would probably lose sleep if I was having surgery from Dr. A versus Dr. B because he was half the price. Um, and so I think there's, you know, prescription. Also, people generally know the name of their prescription. But you might not know the name of, you know, if you had a, a cardiac arrest and you ended up in the hospital for two months, you wouldn't be able to name all of the procedures that you went through. So it's really, really hard to compare prices on, on at least complex medical procedures. Um, it's definitely something we continue to look at. I'm sure you saw the, the charge master thing that was released recently where hospitals are now posting prices. It's just super hard to parse out and explain it to a consumer who, first and foremost, cares about the quality of care, right? Look, if, you, if you're going to go do it, urgent care would be a good start, right? Because you never know what you're going to get charged when you show up there. Um, how are how are you getting people to find out? How did you get all these people to find out? Are you advertising? Um, is, it, is it through uh, newspaper ads, online ads, physicians, hospitals? What's been the most most efficient way of getting people to use the product? So we we do advertise, um, and one of the strange things about our advertising is it's all very much um, educational advertising, right? Where we're trying to explain to people that there is another way, right? It, you don't just show your insurance card at the pharmacy. There, that there is, if, with a little bit of legwork, you can actually save significantly. And, and you know, more importantly, something like 20% of prescriptions are actually abandoned at the pharmacy because people see the price is too high and simply don't take it. And that leads to like $300 billion in non-adherence costs, meaning people end up in the hospital because they didn't take their drug. So, um, you know, there's just, just huge opportunity if we can educate people to know to look around and to know that there are other, other ways that they can save. Um, so we, we advertise on TV and radio and stuff like that. Um, we also, as I mentioned, work very closely with physicians um, uh, of all shapes and sizes, everyone from solo practitioners to, to larger systems. Um, you know, we, we work with many of uh, the most popular um, EMRs. Right, electronic and medical record services, so that it's often integrated directly into the physician experience. And then we have these partnerships, like for example, with Kroger, um, where we'll work with pharmacies so that you know no consumer shows up at the pharmacy and, and doesn't. We want to. They, the pharmacies want to put those options in front of people too. So um, I downloaded the app, so I'll plug that. And it's very easy to use, which is what you would expect. Um, you've got your website, right? Uh, how else do people find out about you? Are you are you guys blogging? Are you uh, t uh, tweeting, where, where, where's all the good information? 
you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time actually looking at prescription drug consumption habits in this country. And it's actually fascinating, at least to me it is. I mean, we look at things like wh- at what price point do people actually stop taking a drug, right? Um, you know, uh, why do people switch from a certain drug to a certain other drug? Or why are there preferences within a class? Or which drugs do people just stop taking for whatever reason? And so we actually spend a lot of time and effort, and we have a number of uh, PhDs and healthcare economists here um, who actually parse out this information. And so it's, it's really fun, actually. We often work with news organizations. We did a story um, recently about uh, how drug prices vary by city and, you know, like what drugs do wealthy people take versus uh, low-income people. Um, we're always kind of slicing and dicing information so that, again, with the overall goal of educating folks and better understanding, you know, what the relationship is between between price and, and healthy you know, behavior. Very cool. You know, it, it's funny. I, I remember some friends of mine did studies with Medicaid populations where um, they actually were paying people to take their medication and diabetics, and they still were getting very low adherence rates. It's, it's interesting. It's, it, it's an yeah, interesting one the, phenomenon. One the, just a fun tidbit that we've learned, you know, um, asymptomatic conditions are often have much lower compliance, right? Meaning, again, if we use statins, right, for, for high cholesterol, if I forget to take my statin today, I don't feel bad tomorrow, which tends to lead people to saying, well, you know, I don't need to take it. You know, I don't need to worry about it because nothing, there's not a direct correlation between taking the pill and feeling better. And obviously that's, in addition to cost, that's one of those things that we want to work on with consumers to make sure they understand that, yeah, you might feel better tomorrow, but in 10 years, you might regret that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Doug, thank you. It was good. It was good talking to you. We've crossed our time, our uh, time boundary. Um, <laughs> I uh, really enjoyed getting to know you. I enjoyed experiencing the product, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. We really do enjoy your support. Numbers are going up. Please keep telling your friends about the Breaking Health Podcast. Share it on social media. You can tag Steve and myself. I am at MedTechTom. Steve is at Steve underscore Krupa. Please uh, let us know what you think about the show. You can also email me directly, Tom at healthyg.com. That's healthyg is spelled with the word health, followed by letters E-G-Y. Healthogy produces many great conferences, many great podcasts in the healthcare space. So go to healthogy.com for more information about what we do. And of course, tune in next time. We'll have another great tale of innovation for you on the Breaking Health Podcast. <music>